Welcome to Mostly Motorsports, everyone. I'm Scott Trailer, along with Kirk Elliott. We're the Racing Boys. Todd Surprise, producer extraordinaire, working for us today here at RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. Kirk, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Boy, we got a lot of great racing to talk about today. Man, huh? we've got a lot going on today. Steve Post is going to join us here in just a little bit at uh, 1220. And then uh, we're also going to get the winner of the Donald uh, Ronald Laney Memorial winner at the 360 uh, Nationals down there at East Bay. Sam Haperchief Jr. is going to be joining us. As well as uh, we're going to have Steve Griswold on, a good friend of the Racing Boys. He's going to be on with us at 1 o'clock. And uh, we've got a little sound from, uh, from the crew chief, of uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Mike Kelly as well. So we got a lot going on today, Kirk. How about that race yesterday? That was a pretty good Daytona 500, wasn't it? Well, you know, I th- I think it was pretty good. What what'd you think? It, it's always good when we see a dirt track racer win, right? It was. It was good to see Ricky Stenhouse win that race. It's a crapshoot. But, you know, 52 lead changes in the race makes it worthwhile to watch to me first I, of all Kirk, i was uh i, I was glued I, in the whole time i i i totally disrespect you saying it's a crapshoot well when you get in it all the time I I, I I i listen you have to be there at the end to win and that's what ricky stenhouse did he led the final lap of the daytona 500 and he won that race you cannot take any uh, uh, credibility away from Ricky Stenhouse for the, what he did yesterday. Well, he put himself in a great position. There's no doubt about that. He's a good plate racer. He won two uh, super speedway races prior to yesterday. He won a summer race at Daytona in 2017, and he also won at Talladega that same right. year. So he's pretty good on these types of racetracks, but you have to put yourself in a great position and circumstances are a big deal down there. You'd have to agree with that. I uh, Listen, all I'm going to say is is that when you are leading the final lap of the Daytona 500 and you win that race, you've earned it. Well, he was leading when they threw the yellow on. He was not it, it, leading when Kyle Larson's car hit the wall. Joey Logano was leading. But it's all when they flipped the light on. And at that point... Ricky Stenhouse had got himself in front of Joey Logano, and that was the race. I don't like that the way NASCAR does that, but what that's what are what are what are they supposed to do, Kurt? I think what th- are what is the alternative for the outcome of that race? I believe that if you go into an overtime circumstance and the yellow light comes on, you have to throw a yellow. I think it's when a car hits the wall first, that's what they should go to. Once Kyle Larson's car hit the wall, that's what they should use to determine who was out in front at that time. And at that point, Joey Logano was in the lead. The way it is now, it's all when NASCAR decides to throw the yellow. That's the rule, and Ricky Stenhouse won at fair and square, but I don't like that. I think uh, once a car hits the wall, if that Happens before they throw the yellow on. When they go back to the video, that's what they should look at. Kirk, they've got it. Kyle Larson's car hit the wall. That's when 
they should freeze it, and whoever was out in front at that time gets it. Because outside of that, you're at the whim of when they throw the yellow. Kirk, just so you know, that sometimes at the end of those races, they allow them to race back to the start-finish line. I don't like that either. That's not safe. Why isn't it safe? That That's a two-and-a-half-mile track, Kirk. There's plenty of time to slow down before you get back to the accident hurt, scene. somebody's hurt, Kyle Larson hit that wall pretty hard. You need to stop it right now and get to the driver. By the way, we never did hear on Fox if Kyle Larson crawled out of the car okay. We assume he did, but they never reported that Kyle Larson was okay. They just uh, went to uh, the winner and did the rest of the show without once reporting or even showing that Kyle Larson crawled out of that car okay. We assume he's all right because we never heard anything different. But, no, you uh, the yellow throw, if the car hits the wall, yellow's got to be thrown. The yellow has to be thrown when the yellow button is pushed for the yellow light to come on. That's when. That's what they did. That's what they do. But they didn't throw the yellow until after Ricky Stenhouse had got past Joey Logano. So what's that got to do with anything? That's the current rule, but I don't like that. I think when they go back and determine a winner of an instance like that, it should be once a car hits the wall, if that happens before they throw the yellow, that's what they should use to determine freezing it and who's out in front at that time. I'm not going to agree with you on that. here's, Here's the problem with this. We had no replay on Fox, they didn't go back and show, okay, we were sitting there wondering, okay, who won this race? And Ricky took, Stenhouse won the race. We we uh, we find out. Ricky Stenhouse I know, won the race, Kirk. We find out uh, like a minute. Now, Saturday's race, it took a few minutes before we found out that Austin Hill had won that race. Sunday, we found out a lot quicker, but it's like every other sport. I want to see a video replay so that you know before NASCAR re- says that Ricky Stenhouse won. As it is, we're waiting to hear that NASCAR had determined Ricky Stenhouse won the race. So you're ragging. And no, no video replay, even with the yellow light coming on, showing Ricky Stenhouse out in front as the yellow light is coming on. We didn't have that that video either. No, we just they determined... Showed- They showed that video, Kirk. You didn't pay attention to it. They showed the video right as Ricky got in front of Joey Logano. Yeah, and that's the rule. That's the they and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is the winner based on the rules that they had. But I don't like a situation where you got to depend on NASCAR when they throw the yellow flag. That's that's when it is. I think when a car hits the wall, uh, is the video that they should use to determine who the winner is at that time. If that happens before the yellow light comes on. Well, I, I don't agree with you on that at all. Not one, not even for a second. NASCAR has to determine when the yellow comes out and when they push the button. And that's when the driver that is in the lead wins the race. I'm, I'm totally good with that. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is the winner. And why no would you not be that. happy for Ricky Stenhouse, I'm happy Jr. for Ricky Stenhouse. I'm, I'm happy he won. He's a dirt racer, Kurt. Right. And the fact that he's not won the Daytona 500 before. 
Does he deserve to win that race? Yes, absolutely. You just said he didn't deserve to win the race. You said that Joey Logano should win the race. That's what you just said, Kirk. You just (laughs) said that a second ago. You said that Joey Logano should have won that race. No. Joey Logano. You said it a minute ago that Joey Logano should have won that race. I think the way it should be. Joey Logano should have won the race, but that's not the rule. The current rule is it was abided by. When the yellow light came on, that's when Ricky Stenhouse was out in front. So based on the current rule, he deserved to win the race, and he did. And I'm happy that Ricky won the race, too, by the way. Yeah, he's a dirt racer. We know Ricky, and uh, it's a uh, independent, you know, one-car team. Uh, the JGT Doherty race team. Uh, had not won a race in the NASCAR Cup Series. And yep. to see Ricky Stenhouse Jr. do that on Sunday, I, I'm thrilled for him. Todd, I, I, I want to ask you, what do you think? Do, do you think that the way that NASCAR does it is the right way? When the yellow light comes out, that's when they freeze the field. What do you think? Yeah, I'm the the big tracks the only is the difference in this you know most, a lot of these other tracks it's a two and a half it's mile it's a two race. and a half mile track right. so but i agree i think i think as soon as the yellow as soon as the light i i kept wanting to i'm i'm kind of in the middle of both i wanted to see the light come on and then somebody say here's why he won that's right. that's why instead of but this is how it's been so i'm fine with all that uh, what i what i'm what I hate to see is is that get you know we get we come all the way you know it was a five hour event and then it comes down to that. It was That's, the longest Daytona <laughs> 500 in the history of the Daytona 500. It was 530 miles. It, it just see and the between the pre race, I mean, you know how if the race says it's going to be on at one, it's going to be on at one forty five. You just know that even with a two hour pre race show, but. It was a long day. And for it, it to, was a long for it, day. For it to come down to that, and then you had to sit and wait to find out, and then you won by the reaction of the of the pit. That was how you knew right. who won. That that's what kind of was more of a right, you know. But I'm super glad that Ricky won, and I'm super glad. No doubt. I'm, I mean, I'm so happy for Ricky. Um, my pick, you know, Kevin Harvick was there almost all the way. You know, it was he was there until the big man hit, and then even Travis Pastrana had a top ten, finished eleventh. He but, finished eleventh. Yeah, yeah. Had him a top ten. You know, got caught up in that thing, but man, you know he's happy about that. <laughs> they, <laughs> right. That dude, and you know he's not racing again. He's the one who got into Larson to put yeah. him into the wall. Yeah, right. That's, yeah. That was yeah. the whole melee starter. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was it was a good day of racing. It was strange to see how people were working with each other yesterday that was the kind of thing i thought was kind of strange how i mean it was strictly car you know field thing until it comes down to punch and gut time well and then you, you know just, who i was rooting for i was rooting for christopher bell yeah absolutely i was too i was pulling for christopher bell i, w- the I whole want time. christopher bell he led a lot of laps in the beginning of that race he sure did and yeah. I'm, i i'd like to see christopher bell since he's devoting all of his time to I'd like to see him have a really is, strong season. Is it bad that I pull for Christopher Bell over Kyle Larson? Yeah, we pulled for Kyle Larson when there was no Bell. Remember? Right. And we we pulled hard for that kid. Even We had a tough year that first year. You remember that, Kirk? We even talked about 
that first year he was in, you know, and he's running for a team that, like Kirk said, if he was with any other team, he'd probably win more. And as soon as he got to another team, he started winning more. So. You, you, you think about the, the guys that run in the top five. Yeah. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., dirt racer. Christopher Bell, dirt racer. Alex Bowman, dirt racer. Yep, there's a lot. Uh, that's pretty cool, man, to see that many dirt racers run up there because Alex Bowman has become a pretty decent sprint car driver. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah, he's uh, he's doing a great job, and he's sat on the pole. Uh, I uh, I think that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, if you remember last year, he led a lot of those laps towards the end of that race yeah. last year, so he's put himself in great position. Yeah, exactly. On several different occasions at restrictor plate racetracks, and he did win two of them, by the way. And uh, He's a good plate racer. He has earned – I think he earned Hold it. on, hold on. They're not on the plate anymore. No, but – Speedway racer. Speedway right? racer. Speedway racing. But, man, he, he He's has. pretty good at it. He's really good at it. And, you know, like they said, he'd won there in the spring, you know, race there and or the, the other race. Summer race Summer in race. 2017. So, I mean, he's no stranger to that big track and winning, but – like you said, Scott, last year he was in. A, he had a great chance to win that thing last year. So to see him back up there again in that same position, it was great to right. see. Had yeah. that thing gone to the checkered flag, we're not sure that he had enough fuel in that 47 car to get back to the he, start he, finish. Line. He did say that his fuel light was blinking he, and that he was just about out of fuel. Well, they were going to remember he was going to do the burnouts. He couldn't even do a burnout. He said, I don't have enough fuel for burnouts. And they said, That's all right. They're going to come to you, my friend. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a point when I thought Brad Kozlowski was going to win that race. Well, he and Chris Buescher had the two fastest race cars for a lot of that race. Right. I thought those two guys, if there were any domination by anybody, it was the RFK cars of Kozlowski and Chris Buescher. Yeah. Because they set the pace for so long during that race. They were running up front and running together as a team, and it looked like that they, they were the cars to beat. Do you agree no, with that? No, I agree with that. Yeah. And it could have been either one of those two guys that could that could have pulled that off. Uh, Keselowski has won one race at Daytona. He's got six wins at Talladega. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the two tracks are different from one another. Daytona's more of a handling racetrack, more wide open at Talladega, which suits Brad Keselowski. But he's still pretty good on these plate tracks. He did win the summer race in 2016 at Daytona. So uh, Keselowski, if you remember two years ago, he got turned up into the wall. He looked like he had a pretty good shot at right. winning that race two years ago when Michael McDowell won. I thought Kevin Harvick was going to have a chance to win that race as well. Yeah, that that was my pick, you remember, on Sunday. And I, yeah. I really thought he was – and he's even said, man, he's not – this is it. This is his last year, so he's going out there to lay it out on the line and – I thought he had a good chance of winning that. He looked really good. And the other guy that had a good chance of winning it was Kyle Busch, who yeah. uh, got caught for speeding, had to rally back from that. He and Austin Dillon were pairing up pretty well and had the lead until Daniel Suarez spun down and caused that right. late yellow. So, had a right rear flat. Right. That yeah. had to happen. Kyle Busch would maybe come out there his first Daytona 500 win. But that didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. And uh, – Kyle Busch ended up running 18th. He was the first car one lap down. Only 17 cars yeah, that's what I was ran have. every lap of that race. Yeah, 
it was a it was a long race. It was a duration race, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a grind. Kyle Larson uh, had a pretty good shot at it. He ran pretty strong up towards the front and had the lead in that race too until that uh, one of those late restarts. And he got. I th- I think he might have made a mistake. You think Kyle Larson pulled out a little bit too soon? I'm not sure about that. It was it was a weird. You you noticed he how got everybody caught in the middle and then yeah. back he went and then Prostrana got in the back of him and he that was a hard hit he took up into that wall. Sure was. I mean, by the time you looked up, he was backwards. You know, I mean, it was. There were several hard hits yesterday. Yeah, in that you race. saw uh, some heads flying forward in that in some of those cockpits. I saw that on some of those. It moved moved quite a bit. I wasn't thinking the Hans moved that much, but I guess there's got to be some relief a little bit. But yeah, that that was a big hit he took. I, you know, who was really running good towards the end of that race and got in that last little melee was Jimmy Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah. He looked pretty darn good. Yeah, yesterday. he looked strong. Uh, yeah. He and he he'd worked his way up and was messing around top five for quite a while and back off. And you know, I, I thought for sure that Jimmy Johnson was going to hold off. You know, and like you said, it sucks when you get caught in the end of that one. Happens at Daytona, happens at these big treks. So I hated seeing that for Jimmy, but because he had a good run, he really did. No, no doubt about it. Um, and and you know, Travis Pastrana, he's got to be really happy with his eleventh place. Finish. And that interview with did him. Did you see that picture of him with his daughters? Yeah, holding I, his daughter up. So there. I follow his wife on Facebook, and they she posts her own stuff on Facebook of the family and stuff. And yeah, she. I know it's dangerous. We all know how dangerous this right. this race can be, but I'm sure she's glad to see him behind that amount of safety product compared to what he usually is doing on the weekends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. Flipping that thing and doing – heck, the dude jumped out of an airplane without a parachute, parachute. one time. Right. I yeah. mean, you know. So, yeah, that was good. And that post-race interview with him was awesome to see. If you want to go back and find that – that dude was grinning, like he said. He doesn't. He's not got another ride planned this year. He's gonna maybe do a couple truck races, but he has nothing else planned for Cup, obviously. But he was grinning from ear to ear, man. He's gonna hold that. That'll hold him for. And heck, why wouldn't you finish eleventh in your first Daytona five hundred yeah. ever? <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. All right, listen, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, Steve Post is gonna join us. We haven't talked to the Postman in a while. It's been a while since we've talked to him. He's going to join us. We'll talk about the Daytona 500 and everything else that went on yesterday down in Daytona. It's all brought to you by Rod End Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. For Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer for Todd Surprise. We'll be right back with Steve Post. Stay tuned. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Missouri's most played getaway, Osage National Golf Resort. Three nine-hole courses to choose from at the Lake of the Ozarks in the Osage River Valley. 
stay and play packages in our first class condos. A beautiful clubhouse complete with pro shop and exercise facilities. A large pool for relaxation and families. The Eagle View sports bar and grill. Great wedding facilities. Go online and make your tea time today. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Especially sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery, we do some vinyl, the other ad specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars, you can actually buy that, build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back to Mostly Motorsports. I'm Scott Trailer, along with Kirk Elliott. We're the Racing Boys. Joining us now is Steve Post, the Postman. Hey, Steve, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. What's going on with you, Scott? Everything well out there? Everything is going well here, and uh, we it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk to you. Uh, I, I, I got to bring this up because Kirk and I, we debated about this at the beginning. Kirk Elliott says when the car hits the wall, that's when the they should determine the winner of the race, not when the yellow flag comes out. What's your thoughts on that? You know, that that's yesterday's example, there's a lot of sense in what Kurt said. You know, when Kyle Larson went head on into the wall. But what do we do at Darlington when they're all scraping off the wall? Right. When do we determine that? And so I think the challenge is, I think in yesterday's instance, you can make a real clear-cut 
decision that when he hit the wall, that the caution needed to come out. Um, but there, there, there are a lot of times there's not as many clear-cut things. And so, consequently, should the caution have come out a little quicker? We could debate that forever. It's, you right. know, when we, we debate football, whenever you have the human element of officials in a sport, it's a challenge. Is, was it travel or not? Was it a holding call, you know, or not? You know, what, right. was the, what, what were the calls? When the human element is involved, and, and the human element is involved here as far as mashing the button and bringing out the caution. You know, that was dramatic because Kyle went headfirst in the wall. What if he's scraping along the wall or like Darlington or somewhere else, they, they're in the wall all the time. So, I, I mean, I think it's tough. The, the easiest place to draw a line is when the guy puts his finger on the button. That's the, that's the easiest right. place to draw the line. You may disagree with the line, or, or you may agree with the line, but that's a that's a definitive point as to you know when that moment is is when that race is going to be called official. But it but it's a tough call, and I mean I can understand you know I can understand, and I I think uh, if you were talking to Joey Logano, Joey'd be saying Kurt for president, you know? right? So, yeah, uh, no doubt. Yeah, you know. Hey, uh, you yeah. know the problem I have, Steve, and I'm happy Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won. Very happy he won that race. Good guy. I think we all but, are. But here, yeah. here's the thing. We need to do a better job of getting video on the air when you're watching TV with that yellow light and where the cars are on the racetrack. We need to do a better job of putting the video together when the yellow light comes on and what the cars are looking like and get that on the air instead of waiting like we did on Saturday for two or three minutes before we had clear-cut video to see for ourselves before NASCAR made the call. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I, it'd be nice in the perfect world, um, you know, but we're not talking a 100-yard football field where you can see everything. Right, right. You know, you're talking a two-and-a-half-mile super speedway, yeah. you know, and what are the angles and, and what are the camera angles and what are the angles to the lights and everything else. So, I mean, in theory, that would be great. But I think it's more difficult to do than, than maybe a black and white or a call that we see in, in some other sports that are in a far more contained area. The answer is this, Kirk. Turn off your TV and listen to MRN radio, and you right. don't have to worry about video replays. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I told you many times, Steve, that I get more out of listening to these broadcasts on the radio than I do watching the video that that's well, where I see, come from. Right. You guys do such a great you're, job. You're right against your, you're, you're right against yourself. See that? <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you knew where the answers were, and yet you pro, you you chose to watch TV instead of having the answers. Yeah. Well, most of the time I listen to you guys, but yeah. yesterday was the Daytona 500. <laughs> well, uh, listen. It's all good. It's yester- all good. <laughs> yesterday we had the race on Sports Radio 810 WHB, so we did have the MRN race on uh, 810 yeah. yesterday. So just so you know. That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that you're thrilled to see Ricky win that race, weren't you? Well, I'll tell you what. The way the race was unfolding, Scott, it looked like it could have been the Chili Bowl. You know, right, I mean, right. it's, you know, you, you, if you'd you, you have taken Joey Logano and put him at the Chili Bowl, you'd have had everything up there. You know, I mean, and so, yeah, uh, really, really happy with, with the way the race unfolded there. And, you know, the, the Ricky element is part of it, and, and, and no doubt about it. And you know, I have very few. I am, I am a weird journalist or broadcaster. I'm not a journalist. I'm a reporter covering the sport. I'm a weird reporter covering the sport in that, like, everyone else wants everybody's phone number. I want nobody's phone number. 
okay? Right. And one of the few guys that I have the phone number for is Ricky, but the only time I text him is when Sheldon wins a race or when something's good in the sprint car world. You know, I don't right. I don't text him because he's a NASCAR driver, you know, and that sort of thing. So, you know, so Ricky's, Ricky's you know, we have, we have a really good friendship, uh, you know, as a, you know, we're not, we're not best friends. I wasn't at the wedding, that sort of thing. Right. We have a really good relationship as far as that goes. And so, yeah, but beyond that, uh, JTG Darty Racing, um, there's so many good people over there. Behind the scenes, we actually fly home from races with them. Now, we didn't, we weren't on the schedule to do it last night, thank God, because we just sat on the airplane until 2 o'clock in the morning until they got done partying. You know, I mean, but but a lot of times we'll fly home from the races, so you get to know all the crew guys and you right. and 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 Mike Kelly, the crew chief, just a great great guy. I know Mike Kelly real well. Great guy, Tad and Jody Geschechter, two of the finest people in the garage area. A husband and wife ownership team. That uh, you know, Tad is a former marketing exec for Procter and Gamble. And he used his marketing savvy to build this team and with the partnership of Kroger to build this thing. And then to have the Kroger people there and Tad and Jody and, and, and all of the partners and everybody there in victory lane, just, uh, and, and, and then throw Ricky on top of it as, as one of our dirt track guys. It was, it was really special. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And seeing Ricky Stenhouse jr. Christopher bell and Alex Bowman all and Alex Bowman's become pretty good sprint car driver, by the way. Um, it was pretty fun to see those three drivers finish in the top five, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. And Alex was busting. Alex was busting Larson and and Bell and Stenhouse and everyone else because over the course of about four or five days down there, um, our, um, Bowman had a quick time at Volusia, a quick time at um, East Bay, and a quick time at Daytona. Right. You know, so he um, he is he is evolving really, really well as a sprint car driver. He has such a passion for that. And and, and every time I talk to him, he's still at the phase. And, and I'll tell you what, what he reminds me of is Tony Stewart. OK, Tony Stewart. Remember when Tony went wing sprint car racing? It would be like, man, I'm just I just can't get the feel of this. I just can't get the feel of this. I just I, I can't. You know, I'm I'm not good. And I remember it was, it was the, the, the reason there were, there were a couple, two things stand out about a race. It was at the Talladega Dirt Track, a World of Outlaw race. Two things stand out. It was David Gravel's first career win. And racing in the top five that day was David Gravel, Steve Kinzer, Donnie Schatz, Tony Stewart, and somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I remember the next day on the stage, backstage, at the, um, at the driver introductions for the cup race over at Talladega, the, the, the big track, I said, hey, pretty good run last night. And he looks at me and he says, for the first time in my life, I felt like I should have been on the racetrack with Steve Kinzer and Donnie Schatz. Yeah, no and doubt. I sense that same mindset that Alex still doesn't feel like he's there, but he is getting closer to that moment where he's going to feel like he belongs on the same track with Donnie Schatz and Brad Sweet and guys like that. That's remarkable. That's remarkable, the progress he has made as a sprint car driver. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, uh, yesterday at one point, it looked like Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch were setting themselves up to be a 1-2 finish at the end of that race. What did you think about RCR and, and, and their accomplishments yesterday? That That was a big feat for them yesterday, wasn't it? I think so. I think Richard Childress has got to feel like the Cheshire cat right now, that he's got, he's got things where he wants. And this thing, 
this thing is fascinating. This thing is fascinating. And, and I actually, I'm a little concerned that by Austin yielding just a little bit to, uh, to let Kyle come down in line in front of him might have slowed the momentum and got Austin back in the mess he got into. Right. So I, I think you that that very well could have been the pace just because momentum is so important there. Was that but a big mistake, that, Steve? That was that a big mistake that they instead of going uh, behind one another that they one took the inside, one took the outside. I think that no, was I a mistake. Would race, I, no, I thought I thought the plan would have been. I thought the plan would have been whoever's pushing you, whoever's pushing me. When somebody gets the advantage, that's when they drop down in line. Right. I, I felt like it was a race. And if we ran side by side to the finish, then one of us was going to win the race. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem with the side by side start. Um, I just was a little shocked that, uh, that that Kyle got down in front of Austin as quickly as he did. And I think that break in momentum. I think that break in momentum might have put Austin back in the mess that he was in. But you know, it's 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 easy. To, I don't know. I, I and, and you know what? This is the first time we've had the, the choose rule at a super speedway. So who? How do you know what to do? You know, I mean, right. you just don't know what to do on this one. And I think they, I, I think they thought they had a really good plan, and had Kyle dropped down in front of them, and they'd race to the win in the Daytona 500. We'd be raving about what a genius plan it was. Um, sometimes plans just don't work out. So I don't know that it was a mistake or a bad call. I think it was the the, the call they made, and uh, and and, it, and and they didn't end up on the right end of it. Right. You know, there was at a point where I thought Brad Keselowski was going to win that race. What did you think? Yeah, I did. I did too, man. And I was, I, I, I kind of cheer as those races unfold. I cheer for who I'm going to visit with in victory lane. You right. know, I mean, yeah. and I'm thinking, man, Brad Keselowski rolls that six car in victory lane. This is going to be fun. You know, this is going to be a good victory lane. Um, it didn't turn out to happen. Ricky Stenhouse rolling the 47. It was a good victory lane as well, by the way. But that was that was a fascinating time in the race because you had Brad and Chris Busher, his teammate, working right. together, and right behind them you had Austin and Kyle working together. And I was just like, man, how about this? Are we going to have a four car Jack Roush Richard Childress tussle to win the Daytona 500? Right. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'll take a dish of that. I mean, that that was, you know, and I think that I, I think, and I think that all four of them, you know, thought they were in a pretty good spot at one time. Chris Busch was the only one that come out of there with a top five finish. But right. I just, um, and but that's the topsy turvy nature, you know. This thing, this thing, if if Daniel Suarez doesn't have that spinoff from lap turn number four on lap one ninety nine, a single car spin, it wasn't a big crash that put us into overtime. You know, it was Daniel Suarez. If he doesn't do that, then 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 Kyle Busch wins the Daytona 500. So, I mean, just a fascinating way that the end of that race played out, which is which is normally the case at Daytona or Talladega. Fifty-two lead changes, Steve. That's what made it a great race. The longest Daytona 500 in the history of the 500. What do you think about that? Well, I tell you, I had enough by the time they got done. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm 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 all right if they want to keep it to five. I I, I want to see the race end. But I'm all right if the if the if the drivers can navigate around there and get done at lap 200 as opposed to as opposed to when they did get done. So uh, that was a long day, and 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 you know. But what are you going to do? You you want to see? And and here's the thing that I'm glad that didn't happen, and we were close to it happening. 
I'm glad Ricky or Joey or whoever's running at the front of the field didn't come off turn number two and run out of fuel in front of the field. Right. You know, now that's, and so we didn't, and that's what happens when you push these races to extra distance. That's what happens with it. So, um, now I'm, I'm, uh, I, I had a great time yesterday. It was a fun race and we got some bonus laps and everything like that. I wouldn't have minded though, if they'd ended closer to 500 miles though, either. That was, that was getting, that was getting long and, uh, a uh, little little topsy turvy at that point. Was, yeah, I don't think Stenhouse would have made it back to the checkered flag had that yeah, gone around. I wait. think he was out of fuel. Maybe. Yeah, it'd have been close, and there's no doubt about it. Now momentum and and the car on the back stretch where you can where you can weave a little bit and make sure you get it over to the right side to the fuel pickup. I mean, but but you're 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 absolutely right. You just don't know if he would have made it back. I mean, he got around there and didn't have enough to burn out. Uh, so, you know, you, you got to assume that you got to assume there wasn't much tiger in the tank when he was coming off from turn number two and was able to wrestle that lead away. How about Travis Pastrana ended up running 11th? That, 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 that's gotta be one of the feel good stories of the day, doesn't it? No doubt about it. He came down there. We had, we were talking about this last night in the hotel. We got back everyone got back to the hotel. We're just standing out in the parking lot. Some of us were going up to our rooms that had food. Some were going across the street to Subway to get some food. We were talking about it. And, man, we had some characters down in Daytona that we normally don't talk to and talk about. And first and foremost, I mean, the return of Jimmy Johnson was good. And Connor Daly being there was cool. He wasn't all that competitive, but it was cool having him there. But, man, Travis Pastrana is just such a breath of fresh air. Um, I had the chance. I interviewed him on Wednesday night after he qualified into the Daytona 500. And then during the rain delay coverage in the truck race, I had a chance to talk to him. And he is so warm. He is so engaging. He is so genuine. And he's just such a he, – he's, he's just such a badass race car driver, too, and, yeah. and, and, and athlete and, and motorsports junkie and all the stuff he's done. But the kick I got out of him, the, the funny thing about it is, is my, my follow-up question, he qualified on, the, uh, qualified on Wednesday night, and I asked a question, just your thoughts about qualifying and everything like that. And I said, I said, you have done everything in motorsports. I mean, you've jumped out of vehicles. You've flown vehicles through the air. You've bounced them off from walls. You've done everything in motorsports. What is it like in a NASCAR cup car with no practice to qualify for the biggest race of the year? And his answer to me was, 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 was really, really cool. He said, I did all the simulation that Toyota would give me. He said, and there's no simulation in the world and no sensation in the world like 185 miles an hour in that back turn. He called turn number three the back turn. Right. He said, there's no feeling, no sensation, no more dramatic feeling than I've ever had than going 185 miles per hour in that back turn knowing that a Daytona 500 spot was on the line. He's an adrenaline junkie, a junkie and that is among one of the biggest adrenaline rushes he's ever had in his life. I can't imagine the 11th place finish at Daytona was far less than that, man. When when you're when you're getting adrenaline out of a guy like Travis Pastrana, that's that's a major accomplishment. That was that was really fun to see. Yeah. And he was a fun, fun, fun part, engaging with the fans. You know, and he was just having a ball at Daytona. What a, he is just he is just a wonderful, wonderful part of uh, of motorsports. I, I think a lot of people, and maybe it was just me. I think a lot of people were pulling for Kevin Harvick to win that race. Do you believe that? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think we go through phases with all these drivers, and and I think you saw it. I think you've seen it over the course of time. Now, maybe back, you know, Richard Petty was always popular, but I think when we got into into Daryl Waltrip and into Jeff Gordon, some of those drivers that were a little bit more polarizing. I think you get to the phase where when they announce that it's one more year or this is the final season, I think the vim and vigor out of the, the, the negativity toward them kind of comes out of the equation for a lot of people. And I think they do become uh, more beloved, um, more cheering for them. You know, even if you were not a Kevin Harvick fan, you got to respect that, respect the hell out of what he's done as a race car driver. And, and you know, and, and you want to see that moment where, where Happy Harvick, you know, pull, pulls out a Daytona 500 win, or or knocks it off to race into the playoffs, or does something spectacular, uh, just to, just to kind of put an exclamation point on a and a Hall of Fame career. It's not a matter of getting in the Hall of Fame or not getting in the Hall of Fame, but it's just I think you get to the stage where these guys, when they get to the point where where they get to that stage, I think the the the, the positive juju, the positive vibes gets better, and I think the the, the the those that have the negative vibes towards a guy like Kevin, they're just like it's going to be all right in a year's time. I don't have to worry about him, and yeah, he has done a lot in the sport and for the sport. So uh, I do think there was a pretty good sentiment going for Kevin Harvick. I agree with you. Hey, Steve, you covered pit road. Did you go into the race expecting so many no-tire, gas-only pit stops as we saw yesterday? That was crazy, wasn't it, yesterday? How many no-tires? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, but there was not much tire wear. So it became a matter of manufacturers deciding how much time you want to spend on pit road. You know, so if you were part of the Chevy group or the Ford group or the Toyota group, I think there was two Ford groups, actually. If you were part of whatever your group, group thought, thought was going to be the case now i think they all took time during the stage breaks i think in many instances the stage breaks were four tire pit stops but the problem is is green and and the other thing i think one of the reasons one of the reasons that stood out a little bit more is that we had multiple green flag pit stop rounds i think we had three rounds of green flag pit stops right and that doesn't happen all the time at daytona so we had three rounds of green flag pit stops. So those green flag pit stops, it's so important to stay with your group that if your group decides it's going to be fuel only, well, it's fuel only. If your group decides it's going to be right side tires, it's going to be right side tires and fuel. And I think that's why yesterday it stood out. I don't remember one of those races where I, there's there's always one round of green flag pit stops, but and, and sometimes there's two. I don't know that I recall one where there was three rounds of green flag pit stops, and I think that's where the no tires and the two tires come out because it's the group thing. It's got to be what's good for the crew. Right. And and while this crew chief or that crew chief might want to take tires, you got to stay with the pack. Uh, you got to stay with the group as well. All right. Uh, we, I know we got to let you go. You got Wing Nation coming up here in just a little bit. Um, uh, Steve Post's appearance is brought to you by Sage Fruit. We want to thank those guys for allowing Steve to come over here and be a part of mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply. Um, Steve, tell us what's coming up on Wing Nation this week. Well, we're getting ready to go put our TV show together. That'll be on Mav TV on Friday, uh, twelve thirty, and uh, we are going to talk to Robbie Price. And you guys, you guys know, you guys when you when you when you haul it out there with racing boys out to Skagit. Right. And in 2019, he parked it on the front stretch at Skagit in the and, and the Dirt Cup. Um, you know, he's running for Jason Sides, and so we're going to talk with uh, with 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 Robbie Price uh, on the television show. And uh, we've got targeted. I haven't I haven't heard whether Craig has heard back. Uh, Sam Haperty Jr. It was a messy one 
down at um, it was very messy down at East Bay with tires and 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 an abrasive surface. But when we got to the end, it was um, it was uh, Sam um, Sam Sam Hayford getting the win. So I think we're going to try to talk to Sam tomorrow on our digital show with Aaron Everham and I. But uh, Wing Nation, we're rolling along, having a good time with it for sure. Yep, we're going to have Sam on here in just a little bit, talking about his big win down at the Ronnie Lane, uh, Ronald Laney Memorial down at East Bay. Lots to talk about there. A lot to talk about there. Woo. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. And, um, again, it's all brought to you by Sage Fruit, and we can't thank those guys enough for allowing you to come over here and be a part of it. Yeah, you know, going back to your last question, there might have been more tire changes at East Bay than at Daytona. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt true. about that. No that's question true. about that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty abrasive. Thank you, Steve. Uh, all right, boys. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, thank you. Steve. Great job. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more of Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Missouri's must play getaway. Osage National Golf Resort. Three nine hole courses to choose from at the Lake of the Ozarks in the Osage River Valley. Stay and play packages in our first class condos. A beautiful clubhouse complete with pro shop and exercise facilities. A large pool for relaxation and families. The Eagle View Sports Bar and Grill. Great wedding facilities. Go online and make your tea time today. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Especially sportswear in-house. We do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other ad specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that to build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum 
and our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. And they're going to be racing down at CMS on the 29th, right? April 29th. Yeah, no it's doubt. It's the big day. All so. right, Kirk. Um, we have a little sound from Lee Spencer. She did an interview with uh, um, Mike Kelly, the crew chief for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, and uh, first race. That he's crew chief, replaced Brian Patty at the end of last year. Mike Kelly and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. have got some history. They were together when Ricky won back-to-back -back Xfinity Series He feels real comfortable with Mike right. Kelly. Yeah. So here is uh, Lee Spencer's interview with uh, winning crew chief from the Daytona 500, Mike Kelly. I'm Lee Spencer. I'm with Mike Kelly. Last night when you came off the pit box, you said that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had taken you to a place you had never been before and you were going to take him back. Where is that place that he took you? Uh, to a place of confidence, right? To a place of believing in, in ourselves and each other. And um, when I got hooked up with him early in our, in my, earlier in our career, man, we, we were able to do a lot of incredible things that I hadn't accomplished. And I, I, didn't, I didn't believe that was possible. And... Uh, we won our first championship, and then to come back the next year and win a bunch of races and another championship, it just it just solidified that for to me that it wasn't a fluke. And uh, I watched him go through some tough times, and and we both had we you know it's it it, it wasn't the best of years the last couple of years that I crew chiefed, and and I kind of was not had walked away from the sport, but I'd walked away from from wanting to be a crew chief, and given this opportunity, I wanted to back with Ricky I really I really wanted to challenge myself and push myself to get us back to where we were competitive and get us back to where we had the respect in the garage that we once did it's a it's a humbling sport you uh you can get to the top and realize that there's everyone in this job is trying to get to where you're at and um it doesn't it doesn't take long to be forgotten or or that your your days are just behind you and um I just, I just, it's like one old, one old guy just wanting to see one more, one more shot at it. And uh, for him, it was, it was a big, big day to be able to get him back to victory lane. Can you talk about how he's grown and how you're in this new chapter is trying to shake the reputation of Recky Stenhouse? I mean, and, yeah. and you talked a little bit about it last night after the win, but at breakfast, you talked about a little bit different driver. You talked to Tab Boyd about what you saw, the the intel he was giving back. You know what he wanted to know, and that that's certainly a sign of maturity that any crew chief wants to see in a driver. Yeah, for sure. You know, we 
when you are at a pivotal point in your career where the next season isn't guaranteed, right? <clears throat> some decisions have to be made and some thought processes have to change that that or or you'll be you'll be forgotten. You know, a lot of drivers talk about they retire, but really a lot of them get retired because they don't get hired. Um so during this off season, we spent a lot of time talking. I, I remember when he was on his honeymoon, we, we talked every night. We, we text, we wrote messages back and forth to each other and said, basically, look, man, we're, we're, for both of us, we're both agreeing to do this together. It's sink or swim right now. And uh, he bought into that immediately. He started working harder and harder and harder. I'm not saying, I'm, don't take this wrong, I'm not saying he didn't work hard before but he worked hard differently. He looked at it from a different aspect. It wasn't just about holding the right foot down and, and turning the corner. It was from a mind's perspective of it, I think. Um, so, yeah, even last night during the race, I, I was alluding to earlier, man, it was 10 laps to go and he was asking the right questions. He wanted to know who was behind him, how big the gaps were behind him and how big those gaps were behind those guys so he could set himself up and uh, put himself in the right position at the end. And that. That actually, you know, it caught my ear when he was doing that, that I, I told myself that he's he's turned on right now and this is this is going to be an opportunity tonight. Five years without a win, that's a long time. That can really be brutal on a driver's confidence. How did you kind of, you know, the fact that you guys are friends, that kind of complicates it a little bit, right? But it also gives you good, great insight into your buddy. How did you get him from what might have been a dark place to believing in himself that he he could win again just just by showing him the facts you know last year he did something that that organization our organization has not done in 29 years i think he had five top tens in a row and in a in a system with a new car and and i showed him that look man on on given days when you are given given equal equipment and that's always been my ricky stenhouse mantra is that if I give him equal equipment I don't care I respect Kevin Harvick and I respect Kyle Busch and I respect Joey Logano with everything that they are the champions that they are but I also raced against them with him and we would beat them and and it was a great camaraderie back then with those guys so I know if I do my job and this team is able to give him the cars that he needs and I saw it a lot last year that he will he will contend with them and uh, getting his head to believe that again and know that know that he can is a big part of it, right? It's when it doesn't happen for a long time, it it you start to question and you get you start questioning yourself. And I just didn't want him to have to do that anymore. Speaking of the new car, is it really the great equalizer still that a single car mom and pop team can go out and race against the biggest organizations in NASCAR? <laughs> That's a great question and. Uh, my dad asked me that same question, and I tried to explain it to him the best way I could. I'm, I'm no engineer and all, but I tried to, I try, I'll try and explain it like this. If me and you were to go look for gold in the river and nobody had been there, it's easy for me and you to both find the big pieces of gold right away, right? But as that water gets picked through and the pieces get smaller and smaller, the teams that have more people and more resources will continue to find gold in the people with 40 people will it'll be harder right so this this card always will let us know that we have the same parts and pieces and that's probably the biggest checkbox right we were in a we were in a sport that was not heading in a good direction with the amount of money we were spending on R&D and I lived off that right my role for a couple of years was to 
spend every hour I possibly could in the wind tunnel, spend every hour I possibly good, could on machines that twisted metal and, and metal that deflected in on the racetrack and based on temperature and, and the amount of money, it was like an arms race. Um, this car stops that. This car says that Tad and Jody and Gordon can have the exact same race car as Rick Hendrick and, uh, and those guys. So yeah, that does change that. And I think, I think for a long time it will. It, you'll see, we'll continue to see stories like this. Finally, um, we also talked last night a little bit about your first Daytona 500. There was such an absolute pall over that day, one of the darkest days in NASCAR history. Even though you won the race with Michael Waltrip, we lost the greatest, in my opinion. And mine. Um, <laughs> and mine. Um, the greatest champion that we ever had that you know one of the greatest owners we i mean the list goes on and on right mike last night did you finally get to give winning the daytona 500 the celebration it deserves yeah <clears throat> sorry <laughs> for um for 20 some years you you come down here and uh you drive through that tunnel and every day you you just dream about it, and and we we did in 2001. We won, but you couldn't celebrate. You couldn't celebrate. We lost our boss. We lost our friend. The sport lost an icon that'll never be replaced. <clears throat> and uh, my career looked like it was going to end where <clears throat> before it started. Yeah, you didn't think you'd get to ever celebrate here. And uh, last night was huge and it, it, it didn't me and Ricky talked about this morning it is amazing last night we celebrated and it was great to be with your sponsors but you're busy 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 and enjoying it um it hits you this morning when you walk in here and it's, it's probably hitting right now Mike I I really appreciate your time wish you nothing but the best I'm happy to see you finally back with your buddy with a team that everyone cares about each other and look forward for what's to come yeah, I appreciate it, and it is. It's a it's a fun time. Um, we got work to do to uh, continue this. We we just we're trying to lay a foundation and earn the respect in the garage that we all want, and that's that's my goal. Appreciate. Man, that was a great interview right there. Uh boy, that's uh, 22 years ago. That's still pretty raw, isn't it? It uh, is. He he worked for you know Dale Senior was his boss. You know. The 2001 Daytona 500, he was part of that team. Man, it was like it's almost yesterday to him, he, isn't it? He just got choked up over that. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty I, big. You can't blame me. All right, I mean, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a good friend of ours, Steve Griswold, who was the producer of our first two Chili Bowls. He just won an Emmy, right? Is that right? That is awesome. That an is Emmy Award. Emmy Award. Steve Griswold joins us next right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. 
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Missouri's must play away. Osage National Golf Resort. Three nine-hole courses to choose from at the Lake of the Ozarks in the Osage River Valley. Stay and play packages in our first-class condos. A beautiful clubhouse complete with pro shop and exercise facilities. A large pool for relaxation and families. The Eagle View Sports Bar and Grill. Great wedding facilities. Go online and make your tea time today. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Especially sportswear in-house. We do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply. And we want to welcome a great friend of the Racing Boys. He's been such an asset to the Racing Boys over the years. 
He's done a lot for us. He was the producer of our first two chili bowls that we did down at the, the Expo Center and as well as the Tulsa Shootout as well. And he just picked up an Emmy. Steve Griswold joins us now. Hey, Steve, how you doing, brother? Hey, guys, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. This is a big deal, isn't it, bud? Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It uh, uh, unexpected. Actually, it was my second nomination. Uh, I got a nomination for being uh, also being in the uh, uh, the NBA bubble the year before, and we figured we would have won then for everything that we went through uh, at the bubble and the the, the technological uh, uh, team that and everything they put together. We basically put the Olympics together in eleven days. And, uh, you know, so we, I, you know, got the, the nomination on that one, but this one was totally unexpected. And we had a great video team led by uh, Dan Babish. Uh, and I'm just glad to be invited to be part of the team. So. Explain, uh, the, the award that you won. This is for college football, right? The national championship. This wouldn't, well, it was for the national championship game. And for those that, you know, cause it's been a, bit, a little bit past, this was the Georgia Alabama game that was played down in Indianapolis a year ago. Uh, in 2022, correct? And I uh, I was part of a video team that was probably at least 30 strong because I mean it was just enormous, and uh, that event went up against the Olympics, it went up against the Masters, it went up against the Super Bowl that year, uh, and I think there was a couple others. Uh, and uh, we uh, we we got to we got to win on that one. I was pretty tickled. Ah, right, man, what what makes it? Uh, I mean, to do what you do and stand out above the crowd like the Masters and the Olympics. What was it that set you guys apart here? I, I wished I knew, Kirk. I really did. Uh, you know, I, I will say that uh, the amount of technology and stuff that we had in that event, and the amount of cameras and everything. Uh, and the fact that, for the most part, uh, it was so technologically strong, uh, and, and everything ran like clockwork. And I know that uh, you know, to, I mean, you guys have seen it. We've all been through it before when it comes to doing different events. That you know, sometimes you have hiccups. You've got things that don't go right, and that event seemed to go extremely well for us. And the uh, the ops team on that did a fantastic job of putting it all together. So I, I'll be honest. I was totally, totally surprised. I never, I did not think we'd win, we would win. I was just looking at the nomination, going, "I'm glad to be nominated." And uh, I was sitting at my computer one night and was sitting there with the kids, and uh, I, a Twitter feed came across that said we won, and I was just flabbergasted. I thought Lynette was going to have to pick me up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is incredible. Man, I had no idea. Man, we, we we couldn't be more proud of you, Steve. Um, it, to be honest you. with you, it, you know, you've done so much for the Racing Boys over the years, uh, from helping us with our studio, with uh, just coming over here and just being a part of the Racing Boys team. You, you you've been you've been with us for a long long time and man we we're just so happy for you right now well i appreciate that it was a it was a tough year yeah but, but we got through it so yeah mm. well we wouldn't be where we're at today without you steve griswold so i just want to 
say that for all well, you've done guys. for us. Uh, we, there, well, there was no my, way I we'd wear, be where I, we are. <laughs> I wear my racing boys hoodie out here on the road. So. <laughs> that is great. That's awesome, man. So uh, uh, you've got to be just over the moon happy about this award. And, and it, not many people can say they've won an Emmy. No, and, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, it's like you be at the right place at the right time. Uh, blessed that I was with a wonderful team of people uh, and uh, was invited to come play. And, I, you know, it's a, it, for a lot of people, it is right place at the right time. And, uh, you know, I won regional Emmys through Kansas City and uh, uh, back in the 90s and all that kind of stuff. But uh, this was uh, – this was kind of a, a career maker right there. You know, it, it, it seems like it was just yesterday when you and I teamed up. Uh, you're you're a Northlander, and yes, it, I am. It, it was 1998, I believe it was, <laughs> when me and you 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 were a cameraman for me at Metro Sports. Man, that goes back right. that goes back a long ways, doesn't it, Bud? It does. It, it's, I was sitting here kind of reflecting a little bit the other day, Scott, and, you know, looking back at everything that, you know, helping you guys get started with Racing Boys and where Racing Boys has grown into uh, such a, you know, a powerhouse, you know, in, 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 in grassroots and in, in motorsports in general and everything. And, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, going back through different markers, and then I turn around and tell myself, oh, my God, that was 24 years ago. Right. <laughs> it, it, you've got to take a step back whenever you say something like that. Cause you're like, I've been doing this for 24 years. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, it, sometimes it's uh, kind of humbling. So just like this Emmy award is quite humbling. So hey, what year did we do that broadcast out at Lakeside Speedway? What year was that? 2003. We did uh, the first one in 2003 called Full Throttle. Uh, and I'll never forget that one because I always say that whenever things don't go right, uh, you put a little time between that and then you can sit back and laugh at it. And, you know, we put our production together, the first one in 2003, and that was the first time I'd ever seen all three features go green, white, checker. Right. <laughs> I don't remember so that. So... <laughs> And all I remember is I still had 45 minutes of time to fill, and you guys were so gracious to keep recapping things and talking about the different drivers and everything. And we had to make up 45 minutes worth of airtime because it was a two-hour time slot. Yeah. So a I kind of laugh about it now. <laughs> and that aired on Metro Sports, right? That was back in the day when Metro, it, Metro Sports was kind of a yes. big deal in Kansas City for a while, weren't they? It was. It, it was quite a big deal, and they did a lot of wonderful things at Metro Sports, uh, not only for the local colleges but the local high schools, and, and then eventually they ended up picking up into the motorsports side of things. And, you know, we, uh, we kind of helped with that between, you know, with the racing boys and then my production company uh, getting that started. Uh, and then we turned around and did it again in 2004. And uh, I'm proud to say that for that time slot that we aired, because we also aired on Channel 62, if you remember. So oh, we were right. over the air. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, we were over the air on Channel 62. And that weekend, when we hit the air with that broadcast, and it went a lot better <laughs> right. the second time around. But uh, when we hit the air on that, we were the second highest rated program 
in the market for that Saturday. Yeah, no I, doubt. I remember that now. Yeah. That was awesome, Steve. Let me let me yeah, uh, it, let me let me step back a, a minute or two and let's talk about when you came down and you were the producer of the Chili Bowl and the Tulsa Shootout. What what are your sure, memories of sure. the, those races there? You know, uh, my memories of that was you know getting a shot to do some producing and directing. You know, and I remember getting a call from you, and I'm so happy for you guys. And, uh, you know, I was tickled that you asked me to come along for the ride on that. Uh, you know, I, it's real easy to turn around and say the long days, exhausting days. Uh, but, you know, you know, things like that, uh, you know, things like that sometimes you look back at and you see when you see that person hold the golden driller. Uh, you know, all the time that we put forward and everything uh, on that, it makes it worth it. Uh, and, of course, you know, someone who's kind of close to my heart, Miles uh, uh, Paulus, because uh, I went to high school with his mom, uh, seeing him hold up the, the, you know, the driller and everything, that's always been a, a, a special moment for me there. It would have been our second year doing it that way. So, yeah. Hey, uh, when we did our first Chili Bowl live video down there, I mean, things were pretty primitive. We're talking 10 years ago, but just think about the technology changes in that amount of time, where we started then and where things are today. Talk about that. Oh, yeah, because I remember the first Chili Bowl was still analog video. Right. Right, yeah. You know, so, and, and, you know, because you think, to, you know, back then, the the world hadn't fully fully changed over well, maybe we had fully changed over to HD, but at that time, because and and I felt like that we were being smart about it. We used the equipment that we had, and I remember <laughs> building a lot of the equipment on site, uh, you know, and and up right up until we were ready to go hot, uh, you know, on the internet and everything. And uh, you know, we started out analog, and then the next year we 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 took a step in another direction, and it kept building from there. Uh, which it was uh, kind of shows the you know, testament for what you guys were trying to do. So, yeah. Well, Steve, we are so proud of you. We couldn't be more proud of anybody that we know to, for you to pick up that Emmy man. And we we just couldn't be. We just had to take the time to bring you on the show and tell you that we are so proud of you, buddy. We you, well, I appreciate you, it. You know that Kirk and I. Couldn't be any more proud of you and your accomplishments and what you do in your uh, for a living. And uh, you, you've done a great job. You're working for ESPN now, right? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I believe it right now. I'm probably touring. Oh shoot, uh, I'm. I'm on pace right now to be doing 180 days. Wow. With ESPN, I'm actually preparing for those uh, that are listening and you know and, and all that kind of stuff. Tune in Big Mondays tonight at 8 o'clock because I know we've got a lot of KU fans uh, probably within the, the listening area. But if not, you know, there's some TCU fans and everything, but we're doing the TCU-Kansas game tonight. I'll be watching so that for sure. Just, there you go. Where do you, where do you display that trophy? That That's a big trophy. Where do you, how do you display that trophy? Uh, I use it as a doorstop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's kind of a running joke <laughs> uh, with a lot of people. But uh, it, right now it's in my living room. Uh, we're wanting to put it in the glass case that we have there in our front room eventually. Uh, and uh, it's it's sitting there on top of the pie safe there where everyone, when they come in and, 
and visit and everyone can see it. So maybe one of these days I'll bring it over to the studio. All right. That man. is awesome looking trophy. Those pictures are great, by the way. We we need we need to well, get you, you over here one day so we can figure out our, our switcher because for some reason it's not working right now. So Oh jeez. Okay. All right, buddy. We we love you, brother. Thanks, Steve. I catch you. Safe travels. All right, be careful. You guys be careful. Thanks Congra- for uh, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate Congratulations. it. Congratulations. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. All the love. All right. There you have it, Steve Griswold. We're going to take a break. We love that guy. We Man, love that guy is the best. He's been a, a huge asset. He for is the like a brother, boys. isn't he? He is like a brother. All right, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, Sam Hapertief Jr. is going to talk about picking up the win at the Ronald Laney Memorial down at East Bay. That's all next right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's brought to you by Rod In Supply. We'll, we'll be right back. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com. Missouri's must play Osage National Golf Resort. Three nine-hole courses to choose from at the Lake of the Ozarks in the Osage River Valley. Stay and play packages in our first-class condos. A beautiful clubhouse complete with pro shop and exercise facilities. A large pool for relaxation and families. The Eagle View Sports Bar and Grill. Great wedding facilities. Go online and make your tea time today. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com. Especially sportswear in-house. We do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day, 
for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We are attempting to get a hold of Sam Hafertief. And uh, I, I, that might be him calling us back right now. So well, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Sam's second straight win of the Ronald Laney Memorial, but this one was pretty eventful. On Saturday night, wasn't it? A lot of tires blown. He right. came from the back twice uh, We got to Sam. win that race. All right. Let's go to uh, Sam Haverteef Jr. right now. Sam, congratulations on your big win this weekend, bud. Yeah, it was uh, it was a wild one, to say the least. Uh, probably the wildest race I've ever – I mean, I've been in a lot of those rubber down tracks where – you know, we've had a lot of blown tires. That's probably the wildest one I've ever been in, for sure. Yeah. You, you had to come from the back a couple times, right? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we were just, we were so good outside, just on, you know, right on the outside of the rubber there. And everybody, you know, you, you know I had an advantage because we blew early. So, you know, a lot of guys saw that. So they're probably, you know, trying to save, trying to save, trying to save. So, you know, we could honestly, I could I could pick off three or four cars a corner, you know, if I hit it right, you know, just on the outside of the rubber there. And and uh, we kept doing that. And then, uh, you know, I think I think it was Danny Martin got, uh, I think he got loose one time off of two and then pulled a wheel stand. And I was kind of outside there. And I jumped up over the back of his car. And I think we were up to about ninth at that point and then had to go back to the back. And then, and then we came back up through there again. And uh, like I say, it was just, like I say, I had an advantage, but I, I started to get kind of worried because now we had more and more guys blowing tires and then coming back with fresh tires as well. So, you know, you never know how good you are, and and so you just keep keep running as hard as you can. Man, there was a ton of good cars down there. Uh, you had Aaron Reitzel there, Terry McCarl, Ryan Timms, Zeb Weiss. Um, Tim Schaefer was there. There was a lot of good cars down there that you had to compete against, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, I felt like the field this year was definitely a lot stouter than last year. I felt like, you know, they had, you know, obviously Mark Smith always seems like the guy to beat there every year. Um, just that Frantic was really good this year. You had a lot of guys that, that uh, I felt like times past there, there's a lot of disparity in competition. And this year it seemed like it was you know, way tighter. I mean, I, I felt like you had so many all the all the guys, even even guys that weren't you know big name guys, actually were pretty quick this year too. So I don't know if more and more people are figuring out how to get around East Bay or what it was, but it just seemed like it was a little tougher this year than years past. Uh, you knew Ronald Laney. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about Ronald Laney and, and, and your memories of him. 
You know, honestly, I don't know. I didn't really know Ronald um, growing up. You know, you hear lots of stories about him, and, you know, you heard, you know, lots of good things and, and how impressive he was behind the wheel. But, you know, personally, I never knew him. Um, you know, I'm sad to say that I didn't. You know, I, I wish I would have, uh, you know, after everything I've heard about him for sure. Yeah. And then not only uh, what we've already talked about, Sam, they penalized you for jumping the start one time, too in addition to all of the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think they probably should have penalized about all of us. They they didn't have a cone on the front straightaway, so I I don't know, one of the driver's meetings, they said that we couldn't pass before the start-finish line, and then at some points they said we had to be single-file to the start-finish line. So I I honestly don't think everybody was totally clear on what they wanted. Um, You know, and I honestly think from their standpoint, it was probably hard to officiate just the way the track was in the feature and you had so many guys with fresh tires coming from the back and you know there's a lot of bending of the rules i mean i wasn't the only guy that got called i mean i think there's two or three other guys that got called too it was like i say it's one one of the wildest races i've ever been a part of that incident when you got up on the back of uh, martin's car there i mean that could have really done some damage to your car you got fortunate there didn't you yeah i you know he come off of two and you know, he pulled a wheel stand out of two, and he, he kind of come up across, and yeah, I was already out there, and then <clears throat> I thought he was going to get back down, and, you know, I misjudged it wrong and, and, you know, got up on the back of his car there. And like I say, we were lucky to kind of get out of that one unscathed. And then, you know, like I say, just went back to the back again, and, you know, I, I figured, you know, the line I was running to go around everybody right on the outside of them there, I figured a lot of guys would be trying that. But, you know, when I got back there again, I was able to do the same thing I would I did before, and and like I say, we were able to get through there pretty well. Yeah, um, let's let's shake down what you're going to be doing this year, Sam. Uh, are you going to plan on running with the All Stars for the most part? It looks like right now we have a total of around 25 All Star shows we were going to run. A total of probably like 50 Outlaw shows, and then the rest of the shows that that will run will be mainly. You know, some open competition shows in Pennsylvania, you know, your Tuscarora 50s, you know, your your bigger events in Pennsylvania, um, you know, some Speed Week shows with Ohio, and then PA Speed Week as well. We're going to try to – we might do all the high-limit races. Uh, you know, we might miss a few, but, you know, we'll, we'll be right there being close to running 100% of those as well. And then the only other 360 race we're going to run this year will be uh, 360 Nationals at Knoxville. Yeah, and, and again, uh, this is this is kind of going to be an, an outlaw season for you this year then, right? Is that what you're trying to tell us a little bit? Yeah, we actually, for the first time, like we really we have a full crew. Um, you know, I've, I've always been reluctant to do that. Um but Miles is wanting me to assume more position of driving and focus on that part of it. And, you know, he's allowing me to do that. So now we've got three full-time guys. You know, we're, we're honestly in a really good position right now. Florida, you know, Florida, we went down there, you know, I wouldn't say with no expectations, but we went down there, you know, wanting, I think my main goal was to make sure all the guys could work together well and everybody would mesh well. You know, we've got one guy that's new that's never, you know, never really been out on the road. You know, we've got, you know, a couple of, you know, we've got a couple of Bob Curtis as the crew chief on the car this year. We've got another guy, Dalton, uh, and he's, you know, he's he's been out there, but not a lot of experience. So, 
it's kind of it's kind of good to get all these guys and and get them down there and got them working together. And I felt like by the end of the trip, I really felt like you know everybody was gelling really well. And and you know that was my main goal going down to Florida was just to come out of there, you know, have some strong runs and and uh, build some speed and and just get everybody on the same page. You know, a, a lot of people don't realize the effort that it takes to travel up and down the road like 180 days a year and 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 so many people look at it as a glamorous life but it's not so glamorous is it well i mean there's just a lot to it i mean it's and honestly nowadays honestly nowadays i mean it's i'm not gonna say it's way harder than it used to be but the amount of the amount of work and the amount of time and the amount of maintenance and the amount of upkeep uh that level's so much higher nowadays than it was you know 15 20 years ago yeah. so now you know to compete on the same level as all these other major teams you've got to have two three guys you know if you're going to race that at that level right. and you're going to race that much like we were, we're planning on doing i mean it's it's unbelievable the amount of help that you have to have, the amount of people you have to have, and, and you have to have good people. You know, it's right. So, and I feel like that's something I've had to learn. You know, the last two, three, four years, you know, we've got an owner like Miles that you know, has the money to get us out there and has the has the means to to get us the right equipment and to do the right things. And our main thing is just, you know, mainly me learning how to how to run that side of it. You know, because I've never. Right owning your own stuff you, you don't ever try to spend an extra dollar anywhere and right. and with you know with miles he wants me to do it the right way he wants us to do things the right way and and you know with that it's just it's made us you know learn learn how to run things the right way and you know i i'm been, i've been learning that side of it quite a bit these last two or three years miles is such a great guy man uh he, he's been such a great supporter of the racing boys and it, it sounds like you got the little one back there oh yeah finally got back home got got back with the kids so it's uh <clears throat> another it, it's just good to get back home with them for sure how's it feel to be a family man now sam well and that's the other side of it you know i never I never had all that stuff before, and and uh, you know I didn't really have a lot of stuff to come home to, so I just stayed out on the road pretty often. And you know now we were down, we were down in Florida for two weeks, and you know it felt like two months being being gone. So it was really cool to get get on the flight uh, home on Sunday and get back here. Yeah, no well, the, doubt. The, the competition level, as you pointed out, you have to up your game. But every the competition level is so fierce out there. Everybody's got. All these full-time guys. And, Everybody's and got this. great equipment yeah. now, right, Sam? Oh, it's unbelievable, um, which is a good thing. I mean, it's amazing where this sport's – how far it's come and, and where it's at. And, and you know, now we're seeing all the purses grow. Um, you know, I being a race car driver at this age and in this time is, you know, is the best it's ever been. So it's really cool to, to be able to – to race in a time like now and, and to see, you know, you got the Eldora million, you know, obviously Knoxville's raised again. You got Houston's up to a quarter million. I mean, all these places, all these places, it's just unbelievable that, uh, that we're able to go out here and, and race for the kind of money that we're racing with. And, and, uh, you know, all these teams, they've, they've got great equipment, you know, they've got great personnel. I mean, I think there's 25, 
to 30 premier teams in the 410 division across the United States that that have all the personnel, they have all, you know, like, and that's unheard of. Years ago, maybe there's maybe six or seven of the right. outlaw teams had yeah. had that. Now and now you've got, you know, you've got PA PA teams starting to have that. You've got it. Just it's unbelievable, and it, and just to see it keep growing and growing. And now, now it's like all these promoters, you know, flow racing. You know, Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet. You know, getting their high limit deal together. You know the outlaws doing the doing all their big bonuses for the exclusivity deal. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just uh, it keeps growing and growing, and and uh, it looks really good on on sprint car racing for sure. You'll be at Lakeside for that fifty thousand dollar to win race, right? Yes, sir, for sure. I mean, there, like I say, I think there might be one one high limit race we miss, and and we might not miss any at all, just depending. But uh, the way it looks right now with where everything is, we'll definitely be at Lakeside for sure. What, will you run PA Speed Week? Will you run that as well? We've see, like I've I've really started to think a lot about our schedules in the past. Yeah. I want to run some of the PA Speed Week, but I don't want to run all of it. You know, I've gotcha. we've done it. We've done it a couple of years in the past, and you know, like there's there's some races during that week that pay really good, and there's some races that pay, you know, okay. And I think we're going to really focus on you know, quality over quantity. I think that's really, really, really important for us. Not to say that, you know, those races are less, but when you put a hundred, hundred plus races on your schedule, you, you really need to, you know, cause it's, it is a long strenuous season. You really need to pick the ones that you feel like maybe give you some time off here when you need it, uh, let you get replenished and then you can get back out and, and hit some other races. Cause I really think like we'll probably hit, you know, two, three, four Ohio Speed Week shows and two, three, four Pennsylvania Speed Week shows. That way we have some time in between. And if we get the itch, I mean, it's not like we can't go to those other races. But you know, as right. of right now, I, I don't have, I don't have the desire to hit the whole Speed Week. You know, I don't, I don't feel like that's the best thing for us at this point. Right. Uh, I know that you're going to be on Wing Nation tomorrow, right? You know, I haven't been told that, but I, I, mean, I might be. I, 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 I think Steve Post, we just had him on here a little bit ago, and he said that I think that you're going to be on that show tomorrow. Yeah, he usually, he usually, uh, they're, they're, they're really good to me at Wing Nation. They usually get me on a few times a year. So uh, yeah. that'll be neat to get back on there with them guys. Uh, I'm sure if, the, if that's the case, they'll notify me for sure. Hey, what did you think about Ricky Stenhouse winning the Daytona 500 yesterday? Yeah, I think any of the any of those dirt guys go in there and and uh, you know do good at that level. It's pretty neat for us, you know. It's uh, I always think you know the dirt community is is one of its own. So you know when you when you see guys like that that you know you grew up racing with and you know and and you know and, and you see them be successful at that level, it's it's pretty neat, you know, for for any sprint car guy. You know, I think it's you know it gives you know it, it just it gives. Uh, gives a little notoriety to, to the dirt world. You know, it's uh, pretty neat to see them guys do what they're able to do and, and, uh, and be successful at it. You know, he's been out there for quite a few years now, so yeah, it's pretty yeah. neat to see, see him be successful and, and come from the same background that all of us guys come from. Yeah. Well, Sam, thanks for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports today. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply. We can't thank you enough for joining us on the show. 
good luck to you this summer. We'll be keeping an eye on you, and when you pick up a big win, we'll be giving you a call, okay? Well, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on again. All right. There you have thanks, it. Thanks, Sam. There you have it. Sam Haverteeth Jr. joining us on the show. You know, if there's one guy I'd like to see win the Knoxville 360 Nationals that deserves to be there, it's Sam Haverteeth Jr. No doubt. He deserves to win that crown jewel event based on all the other 360 races he's won his career to put that Knoxville 360 Nationals trophy on his mantle that would be that would be that would that would top it off right there what would be better is to see him win the 410 nationals sure because he's got the speed to do that that's a little harder to do but yeah no there's no question about it but sam haverteef is not a below average driver no he's an exceptional driver and the fact that that miles is saying hey get the personnel you need Get the people that you need. Get the people that you need. And that shows how much Miles believes in him as a driver. No doubt. That if he gets the proper personnel out on the road, Sam's a good enough enough driver that if he gets what everybody else has as far as personnel, Sam can win his share of races. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, I want to remind everybody what's going on up at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum right now. Uh, they're going to be giving away a 2023 Z06 Corvette with a Z07 Performance Package. This is a pearl white Metallica tricoat color along with $25,000 in cash. They're going to be giving away this car on Saturday, August 19, 2023. That's the week after the Knoxville Nationals, right, Kurt? Right. One week after. And, and, they're doing and, that for some reason, right? I, I, I don't know why what the reason is for that. It, they normally give it away on the week of the Knoxville Nationals. Yeah, the final night, but they're doing this the week after. The, the week after. And, and again, this car makes 760 horsepower. It's a 5.5 LT6 V8 engine. goes from 0 to 60 in 2.6 seconds in an 8-speed automatic transmission. It's got a lofty 8,600 RPMs creating 670 horsepower. It's an all-aluminum cylinder block casting with the small block engine families. It's a a, a signature 4.4, 11.76-millimeter bore spacing, dual-coil valve springs, and this thing has got all the big brakes, got the big wheels, got the got everything on it man this is a real performance car kirk isn't it it's it's a race car isn't it's it? a I, race car yeah 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 and 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 again the way that you can tell the difference between this car and a normal corvette todd pointed this out is that that little side thing right there todd's going to circle it with a little hand right there that's how you can tell this is the Z07 performance package. Right air there. intake? What is that? Yeah, air intake. Air intake. So, yeah, that is an air intake. So um, I pulled up beside a blue one on the way here. And when you, you got did? up, you and, see? It, and it wasn't that. It was the one you that didn't has, have that on the side <clears throat> of it. So it's a smooth flush door that rolls all the way down the whole side. So even that little louver at the bottom is a little different even as well. Now the spoiler, you'll see that spoiler. That's been on a couple models already. But this this whole body feature i haven't seen this one from the front yet 
live in person. It's only. got a little splitter on the it front does. of it, doesn't and it? I, and that's what I was noticing, and that's why I like to see it in person. But you, if you see this look in your rearview mirror, it'll look that that bottom right-hand corner. If you see that in your rearview mirror, it's distinctively looks did, different than the other Corvette. Did you see they had the Corvette as the pace car at the yeah. Daytona 500 yeah. yesterday? Yes, they did. Yeah. And I think they're building. Was that a Z07, I wonder? Uh, yes. And that's the Z07. And now they're building the Z. They're already designing the Z08, which is supposedly just, like you said, these what they're doing now is just, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. So, and, yeah, this and, car here. And all the proceeds that go from the, the raffle of this car go directly to the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. You can register to win this Corvette at winaz06corvette.com. Win a z06corvette.com yeah and the funding uh, goes to all of the projects keep that hall of fame going as great as it is they change exhibits every year up there they keep things moving in and out and it costs a lot of money to operate that hall of fame so your contributions and uh, some lucky person's going to win this corvette i hope it's me cause i hope it's me yeah hope it's me Kirk, where you don't even have a garage. How would you take care of that car? <laughs> you could park we'd it in my house, Kirk. We'd have to get a garage. We got an extra garage in yeah. my house. Keep it in your garage, right? Yeah. Between my house and my stepdad next door, my well, mom. Well, he could leave it over here, and if I can drive <laughs> it once in a while, that would be probably good. Probably park it in this garage. In hey, this uh, Kirk, I, I, I got to give a shout-out to uh, Mandy Chick. She ran fifth in that oh, cool. ARCA race down there at, uh, at Daytona. Completely slipped my mind that she was even made it in the race she goes to desoto kansas we've been fo- i've been following her out lakeside speedway from way back in the day mandy the chick didn't even know her last name was chick i just thought it was mandy the chick racer you know i just right um she did exceptionally well in that race she has finals next week so she has a lot of other things on her mind just besides that but unbelievable that was an awesome run and you guys should follow her on her social media pages because she does a terrific job of updating and personalizing that thing herself. But, yeah, Scott, how cool was that? That was really cool, man, I, to be honest with you. The Rose Holman Institute of Technology Chevrolet. Yes, between her and right. Frankie Munez, who finished, I think he finished, what did, what did I send you, Kirk? 11, he finished 11th. 11th. He ran as high as 5th in that race. Finished 11th. He's only one of eight drivers competing for a full a full season on this thing. You know, this guy could put himself in a position to, to be in this championship run at the end of this thing, man. I mean, Frankie, I don't think people think that, you know, between him and, and Mandy, the race chick, I'd like to see her get more chance to run. Well, they're going to have a new champion this year because Nick Sanchez That's running right. the truck series. Greg Van Alst was the winner of the race as he beat Connor Mosack for the win Saturday down at Daytona. Uh, somebody asked on here, what is the Northland? The Northland in Kansas City is north of the river. So we have a can we have a so Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. The if Kansas, you're south of the river, you're south Kansas City. Yeah. So people if you don't realize like we're 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 twin we have cities so close to each other here. So Northlander refers to you over north of the river. And right. 
That's how it always was back in the day when we were. Because I'm a Kansas guy, and Scott is a is a Missouri guy. So I, I, I've been north of the river since 1970. Yeah. The, my first time we moved north of the river, we my mom married my stepdad, and they we built a up house up at Wrist Lake. Right, we built a big house in Wrist Lake, and became a Northlander up there. That's a nice neighborhood, bud. Very ex- very exclusive neighborhood up there. Uh, yeah, I just to live there now, I couldn't imagine what it cost to. When we built that house, Scott, that house we built that house for uh, it wasn't but three hundred thousand. That's and that house back then. No, this would be nineteen ninety. That house probably is worth 80, about a million now. Yeah, it's a, maybe, I think it sold for one point two something. Is what it was a it was a great house. Like you had a guitar room in there. Had a too, room that had its own built-in circuit breaker on the right left-hand side of the house because my stepdad was a. Back in the day, he's a big tax guy, and back in the old days, you had to have secured things from the IRS. So he had his own secure everything on one side of the house. Everything had to be backed up, and and so he went ahead and ran me up above, and I had outlets. Hell, I had to have I had to have thirty outlets on one wall. I could plug every bit of guitar equipment, and never even worry about flipping a switch in the house. Man, it was really cool. So yeah, the Northland that refers to anybody north of the river. Right. And uh, we've all become, it's a little bit more of a tighter group. That's the only time you lived in Missouri, right? Yeah, we, yeah, uh-huh, that is. I yeah. didn't know you ever lived in Missouri. Yeah, we lived in. You lived in Wrist Lake Wrist up in Lake Parkville, for, Kurt. And it was, you uh, didn't know that? I spent, I used to work for General Motors. The things Motors. you didn't know, Kurt. The I things worked, I didn't know. I worked for General Motors back then, and uh, we'd have model change. We, I was making the Grand Prix, which will bring it back to the car thing, car of the year for the, 1992-91 Grand Prix, and uh, you get model change, and so you get six weeks off completely with pay at the unemployment. When they change the line. So they change the line, and right. so you had six weeks off in summertime. So I fished <laughs> for six weeks and would draw a paycheck. And That's you, a big lake up there, it's too. It's a nice, it? real nice lake. Brent Chapman, for anybody here in Kansas City. Who's Did you a, ever catch anything big oh, out of there? Big, yeah, yeah. Seven-pound bass out of there. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Wow. Big, big fish. I lived on that. Saw a homeless person bathing in that lake and had no idea. And we found out he was living in the woods. Oh, there's a lot of people living in the woods now. Yeah. And this was 91, 92. <laughs> and I was fishing in a cove one morning and heard something rustling. I thought, oh, shoot, there's a big fish back here rustling. And sometimes deer get in the water and get the bugs off of them and stuff. Right. And the fog was burning off. And I had a trolling motor. You know, no engines could be on that lake, just trolling motor. And right. Putted back there, and I saw this old boy in the in the Taking shower, a bath. Sh- showering, sh- sh- soaping up and washing, and he saw me, and he slinked back up in the woods, and I was like, ooh, I bet he gets out and does this in the morning before anybody's on the water, but he wasn't expecting old Todd to be out here on the water at 5 in the morning, so... Yeah, Northlander refers to you north of the river. So a lot of homeless people right now. Yeah, there is. It's a Gosh, it's a it's really sad, it's really. sad sad state we're living in with the amount of homeless. But yeah, man, what a night of racing at Volusia Speedway Park on Saturday night, Scott. Uh, they finished up the long winter nationals with a bang. That track is about as good as uh, we've seen Volusia in quite a while. It put on a hell of a show on Saturday night with both the uh, World of Outlaw case late models and the Super Dirt Car Series big blocks. Thrilling finishes both those races. Right. We had uh, Matt Williamson. He won the big block the last modified, lap. Right. He won the big 
block modified. He made a pass on the last turn of the last lap to win that race. And then in the World of Outlaw feature, Hudson O'Neill, 22-year-old guy who jumped in that rocket house car at the beginning of the season, came from 23rd starting position to win the late model feature. That He had that thing set on kill. How about Hudson O'Neill? Yeah. I mean, that... That was just an incredible drive that he made. He came from, from 23rd, 23rd yep. to win that race, didn't he? Absolutely. Tim Can McCready, you believe that, that he came from 23rd to win that race? Yeah, and he didn't really need a lot of yellow flags to do that. And, and, and just think about the people that he outran. Devin Moran, Ricky Thornton Jr., Tim McCready, Brandon Overton, Brandon Shepard, Chris Madden, Bobby Pierce, Brian Shirley, Max Blair, and the list goes on and on and on. And McCready looked like he was going to check out. He led most of the race. And, I mean, he had a pretty sizable lead in that race. And he started to fade there towards the end. Devin Moran came on and made a pretty big run. But uh, Hudson O'Neill, uh, they've uh, they found something with that car. These Longhorn chassis, uh, they're talking about they're they're the latest and the greatest, but Rocket is uh, Rocket making a big been... statement right now that hey, we got something too. You think Rocket yeah. has found something with their cars? I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if they looked at the Longhorn chassis and maybe kind of taken some things away from the Longhorn chassis and applied it to the Rocket chassis. What do you think about well, that? Well, there's no doubt that they've made some improvements in that race car. Because when Brandon Shepard, and he did a pretty good, Brandon Shepard did a good job in that race car yeah. Uh, when he drove it last year. But I think they found Mark Richards and and uh, that crew over there, Steve Baker, and uh, those guys working on that car, they they found something. Mm. Um, Marie wants to know, how is Austin the car ready, and does he start rate? And, and when does he start racing? I would imagine Knoxville. He'll be. I think that's what his plans yeah, are I to kind of run, up, run at up at Knoxville. Yeah, we haven't. I haven't talked to Austin here for a few weeks, but I think that was his plan. Yeah, to run Knoxville this year. Yep, so. no doubt about it. We'll check in with him here and find out how things are going with him. Hey, uh, the non-wing cars were up at uh, Bubba Raceway Park on Saturday night. Kyle Cummins picking up the win in his third engine of the week. Looked like Brady Bacon was going to be the man on Saturday night, but Kyle Cummins made a run and uh, was able to get around him. They had to they had to bring an engine in from Indiana before the races started at Bubba because they blew an engine at Volusia earlier in the week, and then their second engine, Went out they on, blew practice ni- on practice night right. at Bubba for the winter dirt games. So they uh, they called his uh, good friend Chet Williamson. He happened to be down in Texas. Chet had to drive from Texas to Indiana. Get the motor. Get the motor, put it in the back of a truck, and drive down to Florida, Ocala, and put that engine in just in time for Kyle Cummins to go out there and race those two nights down at Bubba. And he... Backs it up with a, with a big win on Saturday night. Brady Bacon wasn't too happy with himself, was he? I think he, he drifted. He uh, he should have stayed at the bottom. He admitted right. that at the yeah. end of the race. He drifted wide coming out of four, and that just gave Cummins the opportunity he needed to make a run through there. And he passed Brady, and once he got out in front, he, that was it. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. There was a long delay during the semi-main. Uh, the, a car got up into the fence. They and, knocked down a, a crap load of fence there, didn't they, Kurt? Yeah. And I mean, that just, that, again, it, it goes, as Todd and I were talking about a little bit earlier, it just goes to prove that if you're standing next to the fence, you could get hit by a car. Yeah, that's uh, that. That was that was the that they took down a lot of fence there, <laughs> a lot of poles there. And to be honest with you, this is something that I I think that all racetracks need to do. Every racetrack needs to have a ro- a, a, a cage around the flagman because that car came very close to the flagman, didn't it, Kurt? That and he was ter- the flagman was looking to get the hell out of there when that car right. came up there. Uh, I think he's thanking his lucky stars that that thing didn't hit him. Yeah, that was scary, and you don't normally see. I mean, it's a chance, right? When wrecks happen anywhere, you don't know where it's going to happen. But oh my gosh, right there on the front stretch like that, and and so close to him, and like me and you talked about, Scott Lakeside does a really good job about preaching and jumping on and and there's some adults down in the front that remind some of the youngsters or people that are strolling a little too close during to the fence don't look your your phone can zoom in you don't need to lakeside zoom in. speedway has a good fence they though. do they got a really good fence on the front straight and way. when you see knoxville's how, probably got the best yeah. fence of all Real strong fence in Knoxville, too. I wouldn't say that, Kirk. I would say that probably uh, Texas Motor Speedway, um, Charlotte, Lucas Oil. the dirt track. Knoxville's got a great fence. Uh, they, they, they've got a great fence up there. Yeah, no like when you see it. some of the ones we but talked let me tell about. You, like... the, the, the fences that you see down there at Texas Motor Speedway and Charlotte, and even Lucas Oil Speedway, yeah, Lucas they, Oil. they've yeah. got a great sp- but yeah. fence. We there talked as about well. some of the couple that are here in town that scary. not so good. I, when you're running sprint cars on these racetracks, that's a whole different ball game than uh, most of the fencing you see at racetracks. That's okay for modifieds, even late models. But when you're running sprint cars, that that's a whole different and, game. And uh, that I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, down in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Uh, a late model went through the fence and killed um, a, a a father and the boyfriend of the the, the 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 daughter of the the father. It killed her her dad and her boyfriend at the same time at Mount Vernon. Oh my God! Yeah, I went mean, it's through just... the fence and got up into the yeah. grandstands and killed them both. Well, that fence it does everything it can to just keep that car on the track, right? But it's going to give, and that fence gave ten feet in. And if you're standing, just don't get that close. You, at, with your right. phone, you can zoom in with your phone. You don't have to get the phone up against it. Right. That phone has a zoom feature. That camera does, and. To see people standing that close and that that big of a damage to the fence like that, that was just scary to that see. That should be right. a wake-up call for everybody. Absolutely. Tam, Tammy so says there are flimsy fen- catch fences at many dirt tracks throughout the country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, we got one here that I'm telling yeah. you... It's it, scary. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to mention by name. No, we, we knew... But we're, I, I'm going to tell you right now, if a sprint car got into the fence at that racetrack... It would blow through it like 
cotton like candy. Like a hot yeah. knife through yeah. butter. Just I cotton think candy. it's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, we see how tough that fence holds cars in at the Chili Bowl. And that's that a lot smaller car. Well, and they a lot got le- cable in those fences yeah. down there. And that'll hold that thing. Well, the fencing at the Chili Bowl is really a good fence. It is. Mm-hmm. It's so designed. I'm not, I'm not and, as and concerned there. Yeah, no, but like I'm saying, neither. but yeah. we see how big a damage that it can do even at the Chili Bowl. We've seen it where they've had to replace yeah. a, a lot s- of fence. And if it can tear that up with that amount of reinforcement, right. then you know what it can do to your average dirt track. We've seen it. Me and Kirk used to sit here on Saturday night and watch that on our primetime show and watch all the, I mean, you do too. We watch all those shows, but he would point out to me a few places and I'd be like, ooh, I never even noticed that. that Bubba, Bubba needs to put in a brand new fence down at his racetrack, I think, on the front straight. Well, I don't know. It did its job. It yeah. held the car in the fence. It, it, it That car didn't go through the fence. No, it no, it did not. It, it held up. But he'll probably have to be doing some serious work here in the next to replace. Oh, no doubt. Because some of that deep concrete work was affected by those poles shifting. I know they did. Marie was telling Tammy, I refuse to go to Coonstown to see the 410s. That fencing there can't handle them if they got, got over a wheel. In Pennsylvania. Wouldn't be going to see the USAC show. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's... Uh, it's it's what happened at Bubba on Saturday night. Everybody should take a look at that. And, okay, is my fencing at my track good enough yeah. for these cars? Everybody needs to really evaluate their you fencing. You can't and, cut corners no. on fencing. And you can't take for granted that the fence is still fine from last year. Do you know what I'm saying? There's got to be some inspection on some of this. Because you know as well as I do, it don't take much for for a few small wrecks to add up to some, you know, to, to make a difference onto a structure. But man, when you see a fence, hold a car in like that, it did its job, but boy, there's going to be some serious work. It only takes one bad incident to really change everything. Tammy says most of the tracks in central PA have done a great job in upping, upgrading their catch fences over the past few years, except Coonstown. Yeah. The, you know, tracks like Williams Grove, Port Royal, I, I'm not really sure about Sealands Grove, but uh, most of those tracks in Pennsylvania have got, they run a lot of sprint cars at these right. racetracks. Yeah, They've uh, got the. They run a lot of sprint cars. Where some of these tracks, we, you know, that's, an, and that's their specialty or their, you know, what do you call it, show, their one off show. You're not, I mean, Lakeside's got a great, a great catch fence. I mean, they don't run sprints every week, you know. So, I mean, you know, I feel safe mm-hmm. there with any car getting up into the fence over there i I, you know and you see you have to have a good fence down in turns one and two at lakeside because you got the extra parking that's right all that we saw a car get up into the i think it was xavier doney yeah that got up into the turn one fence at lakeside it hell it did its job yeah yeah no doubt well Uh, it's pretty tall down there in turn one and two it really is yeah on the other side of it where there's no fencing but also no spectators we saw don drowd jr (laughs) fly over Over the fence yeah and into the pit area. That's yeah. a couple of times we've seen sprint cars uh, fly over. Billy Vielhauer went over turn number that's a, four one time. That's a big drop on that backside. They moved the. <laughs> they had a uh, pit side grandstand over there just off turn number four. Since that incident happened, they moved. Gone. They that, moved that out of there. Yeah, that grandstand's over. not there. No. Uh, that. That that grandstand was there when it was a pavement racetrack. Yeah, that and was. we didn't have to worry about cars flying out of no. there. Right. 
sprint cars, it's, it's a whole different deal. So, yeah. Well, that thing flew over those grandstands <laughs> and, land, and, and flew over a Jeep. Land past because people don't realize the backside of that thing. It's a steep drop on the backside of that thing. No man. doubt, you could clear some serious air coming off of that backside. Yeah, there's like you said, big tracks like that. I mean, I'm we're the season's kicking off. Everybody's starting up. We know everybody checks. You know, safety is a is a big deal. But boy, I'm like Kirk. I I'd like to see some updates on some of the tracks that have been wasting, you know, time on fixing what they should they know could be a problem yeah uh i-70's got a great fence yeah 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 absolutely i-70's great fence they did it did a good job when they uh, built, built that the place track yeah. out there uh i was feeling for brady bacon he puts out a tweet got almost a home and a water line broke and yeah. so they got his family home and then he's out there said had uh grease and dirt all over him and <laughs> trying to fix that getting home life Brady, on, i hope you made it back home life on the road uh as, as, as steve said don't go over the fence at bulls gap let me tell you something turns three and four volunteer speedway if, if you go over the fence in three and four you're going to be a hundred feet off the ground is that right it it, 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 it drops almost straight down and if you clear the fence in three and four, oh my! I'm telling you, you're going to be a hundred feet up in the air, and it's not going to be good. How about when they flipped out at Knoxville? How far was that when he landed out of that and landed on the road? Right, he landed out out on 14. <laughs> That's uh, harder to do now because the fencing is a lot higher above. Yeah, the, they they took care of where that. They took care of that issue. Yeah, yeah. You won't see cars flying out of Knoxville anymore. Yeah, no but doubt. that's the thing. Update, you've always got to improve and update, man. Technology and, and uh, safety changes, man. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show today. All of our friends from out on the East Coast, uh, we can't thank you guys enough. And all the people that listen out in California as well. California is our number one state that listens to our show. Appreciate y'all tuning had a, in. We had yeah. an Ohio person checking in today. Yeah, no doubt. So we had Midwest. Yeah. Everything's represented. Midwest, left and right coast. So yeah. good stuff. We don't have a lot of racing going on this next weekend, That's which is typically the case after speed What are we going to talk about Florida? next week? I don't know. I was looking at the flow and dirt vision schedule, and there's nothing going on this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod In Supply. And uh, and they're featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints, and they're going to start their season off down at CMS on April 29th, right, Kurt? Last day of the draft here in Kansas City is when that is. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. It's going to be a busy week, man. Hope the weather is warm then. Me too. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> Me I too. hope the dra- I hope it's warm during the draft. I do too. Because I'd like to go down. I'd like there. to go down because it's not going to come back again in our lifetime. So no, this is it. Yeah. No I mean, you know, it. this is it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. For Todd Surprise, for my partner Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on Mostly Motorsports.